Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Let's just talk about our energy and enthusiasm. Uh, Do we have to? You are such a, just a ray of sunshine, Dave. Oh, come on, Ann. I think this is an incredibly important topic. And I think our listeners need to know all about energy. I'm sorry. (laughs) I put myself to sleep there. Bueller, Bueller. Yeah, no yeah, kidding. I mean, if we need, to, if we want to persuade, we've got to have that passion and that energy in a lot of ways. Oh, a- a- absolutely. You know, when if you're not in, think about this for a second. If we're not enthusiastic, folks. I was thinking. <laughs> she thought she pointed. Just picture the scarecrow pointing to his head. She didn't have straw coming out of her sleeve, but she does have a flannel shirt on. And I had to point and let my brain know, hey, it's your turn. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, imagine for a second, you're trying to persuade, whether it's, again, a, a team member uh, to a new way of doing things or a prospect into you know, giving you whatever the next step in your sales process might be. And you are low energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this would be perfect for you. How good a job is that? Right. Yeah, and nobody is going to be persuaded by that. If you don't seem excited about it, they're not going to get excited about it. Absolutely. You know, as, as and I think we've said this before, but quoting, you know, Michelle, uh, our, our coach, um, energy precedes outcome. And yeah. if you, you want an energetic outcome, you want people to be enthusiastic about you, your product, how you're going to help them, what they're going to be able to do with it. Right. Yeah. And maybe not take it to quite that level. <laughs> so there's this appropriate level, right? Because but wait, we want to be <laughs> but, but wait, there's more. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, I mean, we we have to figure out a way to find that appropriate energy level for ourselves. Because it's going to be very different for me because I'm very high energy. And so what's authentic for me and what seems like it's an honest display of passion and enthusiasm is going to be different perhaps than somebody else. Yeah, and it's funny. We were just making fun of those commercials that um, you know everybody's aware of, where the over-the-top announcer. And I think we make fun of those because they're not authentic, right? It's they're so meant cool. to get your attention, but yeah, not necessarily and, and I think get to your persuade. Blood, yeah, and get your blood pumping a little bit, but also at some level, we know that this is just this is just the announcer doing his announcer voice. But still, it is energizing. You're like, what's going on on Sunday? Even though you're like, okay, that guy's a little over the top, but you're still interested, right? Even more than if they were low energy or if he was even normal. Yeah, absolutely. So how do we find that right amount of energy? Well, I think part of it is what you believe about your product or your service or your 
leadership or whatever you're trying to persuade the person about, I think it starts with your beliefs and your mindset about it. Yeah, absolutely. I've never sold a product. I didn't enthusiastically think was worthwhile and valid. Right. And certainly, you know, when I've, when I've run businesses and companies, and I know you've been in management positions as well, you don't present a position you don't believe in. Right. And, you know, it's funny, I was talking to the CEO of a banner company of like, you know, they do printed banners and printed tents and things like that. And we were talking about business and him running his business and everything. And he goes, you know what, Ann, I don't give a crap about banners. I don't care about tents. And I was like, wow. He goes, I care about employing people, providing great products, providing great service, you know, providing something that people need in their businesses or in whatever. And he goes, that makes me passionate about this work. And so it was a really interesting moment where I was like, he's not, you know, all like, woo, yay, banners, you know, but he's passionate and enthusiastic about what they're doing. You know, and that's such an important point. You actually made me go back to my days in the moving business. Brian, who is the owner of the moving company, he is a serial entrepreneur. And you know why he started moving? Because folks, and just shook her head no, just just FYI, you cannot see her and you <laughs> couldn't hear the rattling around, but she shook her head no. Yeah. And what, what he said to me, when, you know, and we were friends before I went to work with him, is that it was an easy business. Meaning if you think about moving, there's it's not very complicated. You get a truck, you get some strong backs, you put the possessions from the household into the truck, you drive it someplace, you take the possessions out of the truck. Hello, we've all done that for our friends for pizza and beer. Right. (laughs) But what Brian was passionate about and the reason his business was so successful is Brian was all about reducing stress. And we actually, as a group, uh, the management, the senior management, uh, after I joined them, we we read um, uh, uh, Start With Why, you know, Uh Simon Sinek's, you know, uh, really is what launched him and put him on the charts. It's a phenomenal book, folks. If you haven't read it, highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. And then we went through the exercise of why are we in business? And what we what we did realize is we were in business to reduce stress. It just so happened moving happens to be one of the top three stressful events in somebody's life. But everything about Brian, and it started with him as the owner, everything about Brian was reducing stress and to the point, sometimes a distraction where he would um, stop what he had to be doing to help employees who are having trouble with their computers and other things. And maybe it wasn't the best use of his time, but it sent a real important message. And once we, once we realized this, then we developed our systems and not just how we dealt with customers, but how we dealt with each other, how we dealt with our vendors. Everything was built around that. Wow. Well, and that passion and enthusiasm created that culture where it did pervade, pervade? go through, in fact, every area of the business. Absolutely. And initially it wasn't by design. It was just because it came from Brian and, and that's, you know, he modeled the behavior and, and as a leader, we, you know, we need to model the behaviors we, we want to see in our team members. Once we, um, uh, what's what I'm looking for, um, formalized it, however, then it became a, 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 a litmus test against every policy and procedure we ever is this going to Does increase stress or decrease stress? stress? Yes. 
And I'm sure that the, the beauty of that is you get repeat business out of that because if you reduce the stress in my move, I'm going to ask you to do it again. We ended up raising prices and increasing the number of moves per year we did. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was, it, was, it was a really incredible, powerful uh, circumstance. So obviously- Can I guess real quick before we move on from that, what the other two most stressful events are? Sure. I think they're playing the tooth fairy and calling the cell phone company. You got one out of two. I'll let you guess which one. The cell phone company? Yeah. Is actually, that really one of them? No. Oh. No. Uh, <laughs> so moving, new job, uh. getting married. Oh, getting married is more stressful than getting divorced? Uh, apparently. That's <laughs> number four. Anyway, yeah. Right. But think about it. When you're getting a divorce, I mean, I'm sure there are very highly stressful divorces, but you know, we're talking about in general, right? We're not talking every divorce isn't War of the Roses, right? But in general, getting a divorce is moving to the known because we were all single before we mm. were married. Yeah. Getting married, however, we're combining two separate lives. And what typically happens, you get married and you move. Yeah, right. 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 So yeah, that energy is super important. So aside from having that passion and drive towards what you're doing, how else do you keep the energy? Well, self-care is so important. I think this is, you know, this is really critical. Uh, you know, you need physiologically, you, we need to take care of ourselves. So, you know, for me, go ahead. I was going to say, so when you say self-care, what does that mean to you? Because, you know, like I don't have time for massages and pedicures every week. Not every week. But I'll bet you do once a month. I will. I'll make it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and that's part of it. I don't do pedicures or manicures, you know. Maybe but you I, should, Dave. I've seen your feet. I don't care. <laughs> You're like, you don't have to look at them, honey. Yeah. <laughs> hey, just, just keep your eyes. As a high school, as a young lady in high school who I wanted to date once <laughs> said to me, Keep your eyes up. Eyes up, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but seriously, right? I mean, massage, obviously. Work out. Eat right. Sleep well, right? If you don't feel, if, if you're getting up every day, well, let's back it up for a second. So talk about purpose, because we, we started talking about purpose and passion. So one, psychologically, are you working, doing something that you can get behind? That's mm -hmm. number one. If not, you've and, and I've I've done this. I'm sure you have too. We've all had those jobs. It's if it's a grind. If if you feel like you're driving into the uh, uh, same magnetic pole and it's just repulsing you as you approach the office, <laughs> uh huh. Hard to be energetic. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's how I was when I was in New York City. I realized I'm like, not only am I not doing a very good job because I'm not excited about this this, the way the leadership is happening, the way the company's being reorganized. I wasn't excited about that stuff. So I wasn't giving my best and I hated getting out of bed in the morning, you know, and that's when I realized you got to get out of here. Yeah. So, you know, that's number one, but then do you work out? And I don't mean you have to be a gym rat, you know, some of us love it. I know, you know, and you, you were a, a, a bodybuilder, a, you know, a very accomplished bodybuilder at one point. Um, very short period of time. <laughs> But they gave me a lot of trophies, so that was fun. And, and yeah. I don't want, but but let's not take that away. 
right? Because in order to do that, you had to be a bit of a workout rat, you know, a bit of a gym rat. And mm-hmm. and I'm sure it predated the bodybuilding and postdated the bodybuilding. It's just at one point you got really intense, you know? Yep. I'm the same way. I've been in, I, I got my first weight set when I was 13 and I've enjoyed working out and being in shape. And I love that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if that's not you, that's fine. You don't need that. But do something. Get outside and walk. Yeah. Okay. What are the things you love doing that are energy rich that when you do them, you feel good about yourself? Mm-hmm. The way we eat, you know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb. I'm probably going to offend a lot of people out there. And guess what? I don't care. Because when we were growing up and you're younger than me, but not enough that this is going to be a shock. You didn't see the heavy people we see today. Okay. When I look at somebody today who is considered in shape, when I was a kid, they were considered heavy, not obese, but they were considered heavy. We just didn't have that many of them. We were much more active. We didn't have the monitors to sit in front over the things, right? But you feel better when you're lighter. And, and folks, you, you don't know me uh, other than from this, but I will tell you, and I'm five foot eight. And there was a point in my life when my forties, where I'm like the heck with this. And I just started eating and drinking what I wanted to. I'm like, I was tired of being disciplined and I blew up to 220 pounds at five foot eight. Okay. Now I'm 165 now, right? I'm back in good shape again. Um, I'm, I'm in some of the best shape I've been north of 40, you know, for the last 20 years right now at, at 60. And I feel great, right? So take care of yourself, what you put in your mouth, you know, and, and what you do. You hear that a lot. Yep. And hydrating. I mean, that's one of the easiest ones. Drinking enough water makes a giant difference in your, excuse me, I got to take a sip here, in your energy level. As an endurance athlete, I know several times I've gotten, you know, 18 miles into a race, 20 miles into a race or more into a triathlon. And if you get dehydrated, man, all bets are off. You're emotional. You're like, you're not making good decisions and it just ruins your, your race, ruins your day. So hydration, just have water not near you. Absolutely. And one of the things they say about hydration, by the way, is if you're feeling thirsty, it's too late. It is really mm. difficult to catch up on dehydration. Very, very difficult. So, well, but similar to when is the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago, the second best time is now, which is same <laughs> with your hydration. <laughs> if you are thirsty, go ahead and drink and try to catch up, but try to stay ahead of it. Right. And understand that it's not going to be an instant fix. That's right. all I'm saying. Right. So, yeah. so try and stay ahead of that. And and caffeine, a lot of times people think that that's what's driving them. But I've heard that an apple and water can give you more energy than a cup of coffee. Probably longer. I'm not, uh, you know, I, I don't know this. My guess is you'll get more sustained energy. Right. Without the crash. Yeah. Right. Right. It's sort of like eating that piece of candy or that, that cake where you're like, oh, you know, you're like the five-year-old for about 20 minutes. And then you're like the, <laughs> then you're like the 90 year old as you, you know, need that nap. Right. Right. Um, so we've talked, we've talked about physical, we've talked about physiological eating, right. We've talked about emotional Something else, and this is, folks, this is something I only started um, consistently doing in the last year. It's huge. Meditation. Oh, yes. 
it's, I think it's, and it's interesting because sometimes when we say meditation, people think, okay, I have to get a loincloth and sit on a towel and, you know, go into desert and sit for 20 minutes completely silently. And that's not always what it is. I mean, yes, sitting with a guided meditation app is great, but meditation can also be cooking. It can be walking. It can be anything that focuses your mind on the moment rather than on all the things that were and all the things that could be. Absolutely. You know, it's there's so first of all, there is no stress in the present. Think about that. Any stress you feel is always around either thinking about something that has happened mm-hmm. and you're going like, oh, I should have done this differently, you know, whatever it was, or something that may happen. Oh, I hope this doesn't come to pass. But now you mean you mean mental stress, that sort of the thinking stress, because if you're getting chased by a bear, there's some stress in the moment. Um, you know, that's it's an interesting comment. And I would say probably only if you're thinking the, the real stress comes. I think I'm going to be eaten. that's in the well, future. OK, right? yeah. OK, OK. Right? You're right. Because So I came upon this epiphany um, decades ago when I was doing a public speaking class in college and they asked us to talk about something we know about. And, and, uh, you know, I've been a martial artist since I was 13. And I was like, what am I going to think about? Well, you know, martial arts, I know it really well. And then martial arts reduces stress. And then it hit me. I'm like, why does martial arts reduce stress? It's about combat. It's about (laughs) life or death. Right. I mean, the history of punched in the face. Yeah. (laughs) We're getting stabbed by a sword or a spear. Right. I mean, we're not talking about just fisticuffs. We're talking about actual mortal combat, you know, and I don't mean the movie. Finish him. Right. Right. So how can that be less stressful? How can. But when I competed and on the times I was successful competing, I was completely in that zone in the moment where you're not worried about anything. I'm not thinking about the block I missed or a point that this hit or or I got to do this. I'm just like reacting in there. And it is one of these most stress-free times in the midst of fighting. And that's when I realized, I'm like, the beauty about martial arts in terms of reducing stress is that you have to be completely present. Yep. And so, yes, even being chased by the bear, if you're so focused on survival, I promise you, you're not being stressed out. You're you're because you're just doing you're what you action. Right. It's when you all of a sudden think about what might happen, you know, <laughs> or maybe the bear swipes at you and you're going like, holy shit, that was close. And yeah. now you're thinking about what did happen. That's where the stress comes from. Hmm. Well, there you have it. I can't argue with that. Well, you could. I, I, I try, but then it doesn't work. Yeah. So. You know, meditation, and to your point, you know, doesn't have to, and by the way, folks, you also, you know, the meditation I do is that stationary guided meditation. And guess what? I do it in my office chair, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and and I don't wear a loincloth because that vinyl, not good. (laughs) Well, that's not the only reason. I also don't own a loincloth. You should remedy that. But yeah, it doesn't have to be sitting, but it doesn't have to be in any like special position. Some people don't like sitting crisscross applesauce. That's fine. Sit in a chair. Yeah. What I was going to make is back when I used to run, I don't run anymore, but I've run a marathon. I used to run half marathons, used to run 10Ks. I used to love running. Mm -hmm. And when I did, you know, it was great because the body would move and the mind would be released, right? I didn't need my brain to run. 
And did you so, did you get it back? I mean, I know you released it. Did it ever come back? Well, you tell me. Well, that's why I'm asking. You know, then we have our answer. <laughs> no, but I know exactly what you mean. You're in that flow. You're just going and doing it and totally in the moment. And uh, yeah, I love that sort of getting in that zone. Yeah. And my my brain would just go off and I things would pop in. And, you know, for me, that was like, okay, here's some important stuff coming up, you know, and I'd be creative sometimes. It'd be, you know, the, the hard part was I couldn't write anything down, right? I had to remember it. Um, but, you know, it's the same reason why when you're in a shower and you're just in that rote, you know, shower, like you think like, did, did I wash my left arm? I don't remember doing that, right? Because you're, you're, you're totally involved in the physical and your brain is disengaged and that's when it's most creative. Mm-hmm. And again, not worried about what happened before or what's going to happen in the future. Right. It's just doing its thing. Yeah. So and, how did you start on meditation? Um, you know, I was, when, how or why? Well, we know why, because it reduces that, it reduces the stress and helps you be, oh, okay, why? Yeah. So, I mean, I started meditating um, because, you know, again, the coaching group that, you know, part of and trying to inculcate a sense, you know, energy precedes outcome. So how do I create the energetic of abundance of not being, you know, of it? Because you want to attract, you attract what you are, right? This mm-hmm. was starting getting a little um, uh, theoretical here, right? But the energy you give out is the energy you get back in, right? And so how do I inculcate that? And so it was suggested to do some meditation. So I, I, I started doing it. Um, and I started, you know, we did a 21 day uh, challenge. That was and- an hour of meditation a day, guided meditation, right? Yeah, it was it was just under an hour. I think it was like a 50-minute guided meditation, which was kind of ironic in a sense because the first thought was, I don't have the time for that, which is a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I, this is abundance. I, I have plenty of time. And and so I started doing it. And then you know, 21 days was up and, and I stopped for a little bit and I'm like, I kind of miss that. And so I, I added it back in, uh, different meditation uh, and different, not because it's shorter, it is shorter, but that wasn't the reason. The, the, the guided meditation dealt with clearing out a lot of, the, the first one, a lot of things that might have been holding me back. I don't really need that now. So I just want to create the emotions and the feelings you know, of abundance. Um, but I also have, like, I, I, I'm creating my own. Uh, and folks, if you're interested, I'm happy to share that with you. But part of that is just silence, not guided. Just clearing your head and tr- Practice being present and in the now without thoughts. Because if you can quiet your mind, it's a skill. And then when when stress does hit, you can quiet your mind. It's a lot easier to see your way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and everybody, and I was in the same position where I'm like, I can't clear my mind. Stuff keeps coming into it. And I and I freak out about that. I found a strategy, but do you have one? Uh, I, I, you know, I just let it go. In other words, I, I let it come in. And I, I don't hold on to it. I'm like, I don't fight it. I don't say, oh, get out of my head. I just yeah. sort of, okay, you're there. And then it just bubbles away and, and then I'll get more quiet. And, and the more I do that, the easier it gets. Huh. What's your my brain, my brain isn't quite as effervescent. I have to like, so somebody once said this and I thought, God, that's really cool. Is I take the thought and I put it on a leaf and I let it float down the river. And by mentally imagining that, it puts me back in the moment and stop thinking about my to-do list or what I'm worried about or trying to figure something out. So by having that visual image of put it on a leaf 
and let it go down the river, not only is that very serene, but it puts me back in the moment. And I also, like you said, have to remind myself not to beat myself up. Like, ah, you're not doing it right. No, they come in and I've been meditating for years and it's, they still come in and I just put them on the leaf and send them down the river. No, that's interesting. Cause I actually, when you said that I do, and I didn't even think about that. Cause I, I picture and I'm a scuba diver, although again, it's been a while. I picture them as bubbles. Mm, there you go. That, that float up. They're in my front of my face and then they float away. Mm-hmm. You know? Sometimes the bubbles stay right with you for a little while. That's okay. Eventually, they're going to rise to the surface and go and disappear and burst. Yeah. Well, and that's why I love having that imagery because it helps me, again, to, to get off of that train of thought and just release it. Yeah. So bringing this back, you know, because as our conversations tend to do, we we meander. And I think this is important. <laughs> Down the river. Because all, all of this does inculcate that sense of energy. Right. Right. Um, so, but sort of to, to tie it all up in a bow, one, make sure you're passionate about what you, what you do and why you do it. And, and, you know, it's not necessarily, I have to be passionate again about signs or moving. Right. You know, in my case, and I know in Ann's case, we're both passionate about empowering team members through leadership. Right. And it's really not about the leader, by the way, although they also benefit. It's the beauty about what we do, but it's it's ultimately about the team and finding leaders who want to empower their team who just are struggling and challenged with how do I do this better? Right. But it's through them to other people. It's that ripple effect. Um, but if it's not that, you know, maybe maybe you're a cement truck driver. Right. And you're like, oh, God, just OK. I'm not passionate about cement, you know. Right. Although I'm sure there are people who are, but maybe you're passionate about building civilization. Mm-hmm. Find that, figure out, make that connection or find it. And I mean this sincerely, or find something else to do. Right. Yeah. And, and, and again, you may need to get creative and look beyond the obvious. Yeah. I don't care about cement. Okay, cool. What about your team? What about, you know, how you deliver this? What about what it creates? Yeah. Getting creative and thinking about, okay, what, about this, could I be passionate about? I would submit, be passionate about something external, not internal, right? Because if you're passionate about making money, you're passionate about building a better lifestyle for you, those sort of selfish things, they tend to come back and haunt you, right? Because what you'll do for your, you know, if you're not thinking about other people, it becomes kind of greedy. And that energy will also permeate. And I think the only caveat I would make to that is the the sense of belonging. And if I'm doing something to be a part of team and feeling like I'm part of, and, and that in it is of itself is service because I'm a part of that. Um, but that is an internal feeling that is crucial for humans. So if it's that that you're going after, then again, you're including other people too. Sure. And I, I just want to point out that the paradox of, I'm part of a team and of a, and as part of the team, I have to be service to the team. It's not really a paradox, right? But it's internal and external mm-hmm. as opposed to purely internal. I want to have a better, I want to live in a big house. I want a better lifestyle, right? You know, uh, was the character in, in um, Scarface, uh, right? You know I mean? That was all about just amassing power and wealth for himself, right? And so you look at, not, not that you're going to become a drug dealer, but you could within that paradigm. Mm-hmm. But that, that that that's my only cautionary tale there. Um, so so do something you're passionate about, 
and then take care of yourself. So you have physiologically, you have the energy to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I've been doing in my business is really seek out not all the clients, seek out the people that I want to work with, seek out the clients that really are going to resonate with me and my energy. That makes my energy go through the roof. I had an audience of realtors on Friday and they were transfixed. They were responsive. We were you know, yelling back and forth and I, my energy was through the roof. And because of that, I delivered a great product. So I know that I also get a lot of my energy from you know, what's coming back at me and the, and the team, quote unquote, that I'm working with at the time. Yeah, there's a resonance that is generated yeah. when you are talking to the right audience or the right client or the right team member, right? It's all the same, right? Because your team members, if you're a leader, you're in manufacturing and you're a leader of a team, right? Those are actually your customers. So right. it's all one and same, part and parcel. Yep. And so when you all have the same energy, there's this resonance that is created where you give off the energy that they relate to and then they give it back to you and it just builds and builds and builds. And it's it's magical. You do incredible work too. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean by magical. Yeah, you, right. you, you can achieve amazing things. Mm -hmm. So listen, folks, if you have any questions on this or want to share with us um, you know, your stories, we'd love to hear it. If you want to share it with our listeners, let us know that too. We'd happy to have you on. Um, so it'd be fun to have a third come on and a guest host. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a guest host. That has been um, a while. And I don't remember if I updated you folks on Darren or not. Um, but you know, I, I was I went to see him. He's he's doing well. Uh, I understand he went outside, so you know he's um, doing as good as expected. I have asked him if he's interested in joining us again, and he said yes. So we'll be seeing about setting that up. Right. Um, there's some technical issues getting it done with where he is, but he, he, he is thinking about all of you folks, just like we think about him. Absolutely. Right. Well, I think that we've covered it, huh, Dave? I, I, I think so. So until next time. See you next time. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at yourchangespeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Yeah.